Hey, uh, so thank you so much for being here. Merry Christmas to everybody. My name's Dave Nelson. If you're new, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it is an honor for us to be able to gather with you this morning. <clears throat> and we do believe with all of our being that uh, we have a chance in the next hour, 15 minutes or so, to really engage with a living God. Isn't that amazing? Like, like really, like not just, I, I, you know, I used to say this all the time, I haven't said a lot lately, but my desire for today is I, I, I don't wanna just tell you about Jesus, I, I wanna introduce you to him. I wanna introduce you to him. Because it really is a relationship with God. And they really is, if he, and I've said this for years, if, if he's not here, if he's not present, if it's not a sense that God is really here, then let's just go, let's just leave. The last thing any of us need is another hour somewhere where nothing's gonna happen, amen, all right? But if he's here, and if he's alive and real, this is the best place to be, right? So, as Mike said, we're talking about hope. And here's the definition. It's looking ahead with confident expectation for something good. So just a recap, because we started a couple weeks ago. There's two things that always exist when there's hope. There's a desire. Desire for something makes hope exist, but then you expect it to happen. That's what hope is. And here's what's interesting, is that hope is directly related to how good the odds are that something's gonna happen. And so again, when the odds of something are really good, our hope goes up. And then when the odds are it's not gonna happen, then we slip down into despair. And when the odds are good, two things happen to us. We actually start to experience a fulfillment of life. When human beings have hope, that's when there's more enjoyment. The peace comes, the joy comes. You feel good about things. The other thing is true is when you have hope, you will actually take greater risks. When the odds are really high and we believe that something is worth it, we'll risk everything on it. And I want to tell you, man, what we've learned and moving out here from Michigan to help start K2 is that taking risks is the only way to live. It really brings life. So, Today, what we're talking about is hope and good news. So I've got some good news and I got some bad news. Yeah, see, I, I'm glad you guys just moaned. Because isn't it true? When, any, when anybody ever comes to you and says, hey, I've got some good news and some bad news. Isn't it weird? Like there's this total dichotomy of emotional, emotional experience that goes in. Because you think the good news is gonna give me hope, the bad news isn't. So, the news. Let's just talk about, the, how many of you watch the news? All right, for those of you who don't watch the news, why don't you watch it? Because it's all bad, right? It's depressing, it's negative. So I actually threw in good news into, into Google, right? Here's what'll happen if you put good news into Google. The first thing that comes up is the Good News Network. It's your daily source for only good news. Inspiring stories and images from around the world will make you feel uplifted, optimistic, and positive about life. Isn't that awesome? And then there's sunnyskies.com. View only positive, uplifting, and intriguing news. <laughs> now, I actually think that's pretty cool. I mean, some people are knowing, man, we, all we hear is the bad stuff. So right off the bat, people are saying, there actually is good news out there. Let us share it with you. Here's what I didn't know. Did you know that today.com has a good news section? ABC News has a good news section. In fact, this is how they promote it. Find inspirational and happy news stories that will make you smile and feel good. 
share these AB News stories of hope. Isn't that interesting? Share these stories of hope. Why? Because good news brings hope. It is uplifting. It does give you joy. And it gives you strength to live your life. So, for example, I don't know about you, but my kids want to have a white Christmas. Anybody else want to have a white Christmas? Right? So we're hoping that it'll be a white Christmas. So I got on um, theweather.com and decided to look at what the odds are, right? Let's look at what the odds are that we're going to have a white Christmas. Tuesday, 100% chance of rain. Now, I, so, I mean, so now the odds just sunk, didn't they? <laughs> and you're hoping that the overfoot of snow that we got will last through the rain. Well, Wednesday, now it's going to cool down. So Wednesday, 50% chance. What are they saying? We have no idea, right? 50% chance of snow and Christmas morning, Christmas morning. Remember last year? Wasn't that great? Remember it was green all the way and then Christmas morning it snowed. That was awesome. This Christmas, 50% chance. You know what, they're, they're just messing with us, you guys. They, they have no idea. All right. So, hoping and having good news. 100%, if we saw 100% chance it's going to be in the 20s and it's going to precipitate, it's going to be snow, you got good hope. All right, let's, let's bring it down to a little more serious here. How many of you, you can raise your hand or not, but how many of you have had to walk through either yourself personally with, with really critical medical conditions, um, life and death type stuff, or you've walked through with a loved one. How many of you have had to go through that experience? If you have, then you know, man, it's all about hope that you'll have good news. So I, I, I'll never obviously forget the, the day when my brother called me um, and told me that my mom had cancer and that she would have two months to two years to live. Two months to two years to live. Your hope is crushed, it's gone. Now my mom kicked it out, man, she was not gonna go. So she fought, she fought and she fought and she beat the two year thing, not by much, but she did. But I wanna tell you, man, I, there's, so, there's something about sitting in that doctor's office, waiting. You guys remember two weeks ago? <laughs> Remember the definite, the very word hope means to what? To wait. Now this is not a fun waiting, is it? When you're sitting in the doctor's office wondering what type of news is gonna come. You're hoping, aren't you? You're hoping. But I wanna tell you what, man, when that door, door opens and the doctor comes in that office and the first thing you do, right, is you're discerning his eyes and his body language. And then he says the words, I got good news. How does that feel? Good news. Now all of a sudden, you have hope. We can't find the cancer anywhere. Are you kidding me? There's hope. So here's, here's what we know today. Good news is really important. And what Christmas is, I believe Christmas is when God opened up the door into our universe he broke in through Christ and he said, I got good news. So how are you doing today? Like really? 
Are you, is your heart at rest? Do you have peace? Are you filled with joy? Are you, I, do you have like a fullness in your heart and in your soul? Because what's really interesting in the Bible is the Bible seems to say that when God gives you and me hope, the result is joy. The result is peace. The result is you have rest in your soul. It's deep satisfaction when you have a hope, when the odds are good. And what Christmas is, you guys, is God breaking in saying, I'm gonna increase the odds for every one of you in this room that I've got good news for you. And so if you walked in this day and you would not be someone who someone would say, man, that dude, what's up with him? Because he's just got so much joy. <laughs> if you've been full of anxiety and stress, today's for you. Because we got good news. Anybody want some good news? All right. So let's pray and ask. I'm going to ask on your behalf, but you pray. Would you pray? This is your chance to meet with a living God today. Don't just come to church and, and uh, you know, it, it don't come to church ever. <laughs> without the expectation of actually hearing from God. He wants to meet you where you are, okay? Let me pray for you, and you pray for yourself that God might give you hope today. Father, thank you for today. I praise you, I worship you. You are our creator. We only exist, every one of us in this room, because you thought of us. You love us. You love us. And you know everyone in this room. And you know the good news that they need to hear. And I pray that you would grant it. Would you just come through the power of your Holy Spirit and move into the deep places of our heart that are full of fear or anxiety or anger or desperation or just emptiness? And would you fill our hearts today with the good news of hope? And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So here we go. Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story, part of the Christmas story. It says there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. Now, this is really important to understand. We're going to talk about this Christmas Eve, you guys. Christmas Eve, right? Three, four, four days. Man, get your friends, your family members, coworkers. Let's have a great time celebrating. We're gonna talk about some shepherds then, but here's what, a little foretaste. Shepherds were the outcasts of society. Shepherds were the people that nobody wanted to have anything else to do with them. In fact, shepherds were so much considered the dredge of society that their testimony wasn't even accepted in a court of law. And here's God saying, I got great news, man. I'm gonna send the angels. Woo! And who would you think he would send the angels to? The people that got their act together, right? Not our God. Our God, like, who's the people who are farthest away from everybody else in the middle of nowhere? Sweet. Let's bring them good news. And that's good news for every one of you in this room, man. And that's what we're going to hit Thursday, that God came for everybody, for every person. That is really, really good stuff. So the shepherds, they were living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you, everybody say it, good news. That will cause great joy. There it is, man. Do you see it? What does good news do? 
causes great joy for who? All the people, man. It's beautiful. Today in the town of David, a savior, a savior, we're going to hit this as big, not a teacher, not a good example, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those. Peace, peace to you on whom God's favor rests. So good news in the Bible is often tied to hope. And I'm gonna, if you have your Bibles, you can open to Colossians chapter one. In Colossians chapter one, Paul mentions hope three times in one chapter. And twice, he directly ties it right to good news. Here's the first one. Colossians chapter one, verses four and five. We have heard of your faith. We hit this a couple weeks ago. In Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. Faith and love spring from hope, but the hope comes from the good news of the gospel. So now, I don't know about you, but when you hear the word gospel, okay, what, what's like the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear gospel? Okay, well, we'll get to this. So, so, so follow this, because this is what happens to me. In the actual Greek language, the word gospel actually means good news. The Greek words are good news. Now, the reason we have gospel is because the old English took the word good news, and when they translated it into old English, it was good spell. Because spell meant to announce something, to say something. So it was good spell. And actually, if you look at it, it's gold spell. So what does gold spell sound like? Gospel. So, but here's what I know. Today, for me, especially if you grew up in the church, when you hear, when I hear the word gospel, the first thing I think about is Jesus Christ and the way that I'm saved. The gospel is the Christian message that we're saved by grace through faith through Christ. And that became known as the good news because it's the greatest news in all the world. So here's what I'm gonna do is we go through, I'm gonna give you three things in those, those three passages of hope and good news and what this does for us today. But I actually took the scripture and instead of putting the word gospel in there, I, I actually translated it into good news because I want every one of us in this room, you need, if you're here for the first time, if you don't understand what the Christian message is, if, you, if, you, if you're wondering about who Jesus is, this is a great day to be here because <laughs> I'm gonna clearly explain to you today what the good news is of Jesus Christ. But here's, my, here's what happened to my heart too. I realize that almost all of us in this room who are Christians are not living with inexpressibly great joy. Not very many Christians are absolutely full with peace and at rest. And I think it's because even though we know this, we don't believe it. And my hope for you, my desire and expectation is that every one of us will walk out of these doors today being reminded of what is true of the good news for you, okay? So here we go. Number one, the first thing about good news is you're forgiven. <laughs> you're forgiven. Colossians chapter one, verse 21 through 23, says once you were alienated from God, separated from God, and you were enemies in your minds 
because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope that's held out in the good news. This is the good news that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. So again, what does Christmas say? What did the angel say? I got good news, there is a savior. Now, I, now here's what's interesting. The fact that, you, that there's a savior is only good news if you actually need to be saved, right? If you don't need salvation, if you, don't, if you don't need to be rescued, the last thing that would excite you is somebody yelling, there's a savior, right? In other words, if you're in Hawaii and you're sitting on the beach and you're getting a massive tan and you're sucking up your margarita and the winds are blowing beautiful and some crazy guy comes running down the beach, there's a savior, there's a savior. Are you interested? You have no interest whatsoever. Who is that nut? But if you're in the ocean and there was a storm, and the waves caught you up, and something way more powerful than you was driving you to your death, and somebody rushed to the shore and screamed out to you, somebody's coming, there's a savior. Now does it mean something to you? So when the angels came, and I wanna tell you, man, for 2,000 years, <laughs> the fact that there's a savior, most of our culture's going, would you guys just shut up? Isn't that true? Like, like, would you just leave us alone? But this is good news, you guys. Why? Because the bad news is that you're alienated from God. Every human being on the planet, me included, all of us, have a nature that causes us to go away from God. And so what he's, Paul says here is, I got good news because you're alienated from God. Well, what do you mean alienated from God? First thing he says is, in your mind. In your mind, you're actually hostile towards God. You're an enemy towards God. And maybe some of you here are that way. Like right now, you know it. <laughs> you, inside your mind, your thoughts are not good towards God. They're against God. And so what, and, and there could be lots of reasons. Sometimes it's just because we don't think in our mind, we have these hostile thoughts that God isn't good. He's not good, he doesn't love me, and he's not worth trusting. See, those are thoughts against God. Because God has done nothing but say, I am good, I do love you, and I'm the only one who's trustworthy. But in our minds, can we all disagree? Can I, I mean, I'm, I've been walking with Jesus for over 28 years as a pastor. I still, in my mind, will struggle to believe that he loves me. Anybody else? still struggle to have hostile thoughts in my head that he's not trustworthy. See, and then what happens, we actually think that there are other things that are better and more satisfying than God. How many of you think that? You bunch of liars. You are filthy liars before God in church. And the reason I know is because all of us give ourselves, every day human beings make decisions all we do all day long is decide what to give our time to, to give our energy to, to give our resource to, and the things we give our resource to and our time and our energy are the things that we think are most important that will most satisfy our life. Don't you? 
Yes, you do. Amen. You just do. And the point is, God doesn't get squat because we're so busy. Why? Because we think all these other things, the American dream, this girl, that guy, this vacation, whatever, that's what we think is most satisfying. The other alienating thoughts we have, and this is so important, we actually think that what we do and how others feel about us gives us our value. See, because we don't believe that God deeply loves us, totally, exactly as we are, we have bought into the lie that you have to perform to be lovable. Most of you women in here, you think I have to look a certain way to be lovable. You know, the story of, of Jules, right? I have to do these certain things just to be accepted. I have to be successful in my work just to do, all of us believe we have to perform to be loved by God. That is an alienating thought because it's like, God, I don't believe that you love me enough. I need this person's love and that person's love and I'm out trying to get it. And the truth is, if you're a religious person, that means you're also trying to prove to God that you're good enough. It's an alienating thought and it makes you hostile in your mind towards God. And then what happens, he says is, and this is why you guys, we need good news. Follow me on this one. Because when you have hostile thoughts against God, it leads to bad behavior. It leads to behaviors that end up destroying our lives. Let me just bust through these really quick. Here's a few behaviors that happen because of our alienating thoughts. Number one, we strive. We strive, it's a behavior. I'll get my value for my performance is striving. Hey, anybody want more stress and anxiety? Because you're trying to prove that you're worthy it's a bad behavior. Number two, withdrawing. Because when we don't do really well, the last thing we want anybody else in this place, especially at church, to see is that I'm not that great. And so we put on these masks to try to make it look like we have our act together. And then we're scared to death of actual authentic, vulnerable relationships with other people. So we withdraw from people or we have surfacey relationships. And it's, that's a bad behavior, you guys. We can't love each other because we're so freaking scared of each other. <laughs> because we think our value depends on how good we perform. It's a bad behavior. And then the third bad behavior is we judge each other. <laughs> See, because if it's all based on how well I perform, if I'm actually pretty good at it, then I actually think I'm better than you. <laughs> And you know, man, some of you walked into church scared to death because religious people think they're better than you. And they do. And they're gonna have a really interesting time when they meet Jesus. <laughs> they're gonna find out they weren't better at all. So we judge each other. And if we're not very good at our performance, we envy people who are. And envy and pride screws up everything around us. It's a bad behavior. And the last one is then we compromise. Because I'm telling you what, man, if your heart today, if nobody knows you, and I mean everything about you, I mean the stuff you're so scared that someday somebody's gonna find out. If nobody knows you and fully loves you, that's really painful. If you've been found out and because of that you've been rejected, that's ridiculous.
ridiculously painful. If you can't quite cut it at work, if you're not pretty enough, if you don't have enough money, if you can't get the date, it's painful. So then you know what we do? We numb it. And we start compromising the people that we even want to be. I can't take the pain anymore. So we start drinking. And then the drugs come in. Some of you, you just shop. <laughs> if I just buy more stuff, I feel better. Isn't that weird? Why is that? <laughs> but it does. Many of us eat. And we eat, and we eat, and we eat. And talk about the sex industry. Most guys, it's weird, man. I can click a button on a computer. And somehow, the drug that gets triggered in my brain from pornography makes me feel so good. It just numbs the pain. And now you're living a life that you're scared to death that somebody might find out. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry freaking Christmas. A savior has been born. To save every one of you from either your pride or your envy or your fear or your stress. It's really good news. How does this happen? Because now, verse 22 says, now for once you were alienated. Isn't that good news? Were because of these evil thoughts and your bad behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you, you messed up person with a mirror in front of me, to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Come on. That's crazy. What's the hope held out in the good news? The good news is Jesus came on the cross, right? You were reconciled by his physical, the death of his physical body on the cross. What the message of the good news of Jesus is, is that while he was on the cross, he was removing all of your sin and putting it on himself and receiving, paying the penalty for your sin. And then he takes, he removes all of your sin, puts it in him. So on the cross, Jesus gets treated as if he's lived your life. And then you get treated as if you've lived his. He gives you his righteousness. And right now, as messed up as I am, God looks at me without blemish and free from accusation. That's good news. So here's my question for you. What's your hope in? What's your hope in? And here's what I know. Many of you today, you know, you're Christians even, some of you Christians in here, you know this, but you still don't believe it. And you still think that God's favor is based on your performance. And you're still trying to be good enough for him and you're failing. And the enemy's going, you suck. Sorry I said that in church, but that's what you hear. So let's just be honest, right? You loser. That's not true. The hope of the good news of the gospel 
is that I'm seen without blemish and accusation. So you have to decide today, is your hope in your righteousness before God? If it is, how good are your odds? Seriously? Or is it in Jesus Christ? And how good are those odds? Good news, everybody. Once you receive Christ, you're forgiven, man. And you can have absolute hope that you never have to worry about feeling the consequence of your sin. Number two, more good news. Everybody want some more good news? Number two, good news, Christ is in you. He's in you. So Paul goes on in Colossians 1, 24. Now I rejoice in what I suffered for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Paul's saying, I have become its servant by the commission that God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. And I want to tell you personally for me, that's how I feel as a pastor. I feel like I've been given the same commission to try to present to you the word of God in its fullness. So we just got done telling you, you're totally forgiven. That's good news. But he's saying, but that's not all. That's like only half the story. Let me tell you the word of God in its fullness so the fullness of your joy can be there. He goes, verse 24, or six, I'm sorry. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the what? Hope of glory. You guys, there's a hope of glory. See, so here's what was happening. The angels came and they said, I got good news, man. Today, a savior has been born. See, but the savior, he does two things. When Jesus saves you, you receive forgiveness. And that's really good news. But if you only received forgiveness, let's say God goes, man, I totally forgive you, but hey, you're still gonna just screw up for the rest of your life. I'm never gonna set you actually free from that sin. You're gonna to have to just continue to destroy your life and you're gonna to have to continue to hurt the people all around you. Merry Christmas. See, the good news is when you put your faith in Christ, he doesn't just save you from the consequence of sin, from the punishment of sin. He saves you from the power of sin. And how does he do that? See, most of you in here, how many of you wanna live a glorious life? Anybody wanna live a glorious life? You know, I, every human does. Again, every decision you're making is because you think it's going to help you live a glorious life. Deeply satisfied, fulfilled, complete, full of joy and peace, all that good stuff. Inner strength. But here we are, we're all trying to do that and we're failing miserably. And so Jesus comes and says, listen, I did it. I actually lived on this planet and defeated everything that came against me. And when you put your faith in me, I'm going to come and live inside of you. It's a mystery. And that word mystery means you can't figure it out. It has to be revealed to you. And I want to tell you, some of you guys in here, you've been in church your whole life and you still don't have Christ in you. You're religious. You go to church. Who cares? Is Jesus in you. That's Christianity. That's the good news. The hope of glory is Christ is in me. See, so now it's not my power. 
So what do you trust in your ability? How's that going? How are the odds there? Or are we learning how to trust Christ's power within me? How can I hope that Jesus is in me to give me love in my marriage? How do you guys do this? See, I don't think any of us, we really struggle with, how do I have hope that I actually can love my wife? Because I want to tell you what, Dave love ain't that great. It's always selfish somehow. It's always conditional. I need hope to be able to love Susie. And my hope is Christ is in me. Where do you guys find hope to give you power over your destructive patterns in your life? You trying hard? How do you overcome these addictions? Except through the one who overcame every one of them and never gave in. And now he wants to live inside you to give you hope. How do you give, have hope to have patience and gentleness in your anger? Anybody else ever get angry in here? <laughs> oh my gosh. When that rage starts to rise up, how's your effort at cramping it down? It's pretty bad, isn't it? How are you going to have gentleness and patience? Except the hope of the one who's gentle and patient. To give you peace and courage in your fears and your anxieties. You guys, the hope is Christ is in you. Now here's the question. How much hope can you have in that? What are the odds that Christ will be with you and in you? In 1 Peter chapter 1, it says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. You can have a living hope. How's it done? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, guys, this is why your hope has to be based on more than what you feel. It cannot be based on how good things are going or the circumstances in your life. My hope is in one thing, and that is that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. Do you guys know this? Christianity didn't start even because Jesus' teachings were all that great. They knew all of his teachings and they were scared to death. You know why Christianity started? Because they saw Jesus rise from the dead. And they knew, okay, this was not some teacher. And here's what we can know today. If Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and I'm betting my, my hope is in his resurrection. If that's true, then he's alive today, right now, to help you and to help me. See, that's good hope. It's in his resurrection. Not my feelings, not my faith even, but in who he is. Now, can I just tell you something I think is really important here? I'll try to be as vulnerable as I can. Um, I believe this. I really do. I'm betting my whole life on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm believing with all my heart that I needed to be saved to be able to be with God, that I was never going to be good enough. I need him. But I had, so I have this hope. I have this desire, this expectation <laughs> that I'm going to be able to live this super glorious life. <laughs> and I really frustrate myself. How many of you get frustrated by yourself? See, and so if I can help you a little bit, Christ is in me. And yet somehow 
I'm still not everything that I want to be. How does this work? I'm hoping, hoping this will give you guys some hope. Romans 8, 23 through 25 says this. Not only so, but we ourselves, he's talking about those of us who believe, we ourselves who have received the first, we, I'm sorry, we ourselves who have, it means I possess it, the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan. Any, any, any Christians in here groan? <laughs> we groan inwardly as we wait. Hope, by definition, means you wait. I groan inwardly as I wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Okay, now what in the world does this mean? Put, if you guys can put it back up to verse, oh, it is verse right there, verse 24. We have the first fruits of the Spirit. See, Jesus Christ is in me through his Spirit. But in the Old Testament, a first fruit was, it was the custom of bringing the first of the harvest. Remember we talk about that's why we tithe. We give back to God because we give him the first fruits. But when you give you the first, everything else is blessed. So every time there's a first fruits, it means it's the only reason they use the word first is because there's a whole lot more. And so what the Bible's telling us is that when you receive Christ, he gives you the first fruits of his spirit. Meaning there's a whole lot more to come. Do you guys get that? So I have it now but I don't have it in fullness. I got the first fruits of it and then someday I'm gonna get all of it. Here's another way that Paul put it in Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14. When you believed, when you put your faith in Christ, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. What's he saying? As soon as you believed, you received a deposit. The Holy Spirit came in, but he came in as a deposit. Isn't this a great word? Guaranteeing what is to come. Now, how many of you, when you bought your home, put in a deposit, right? Two of you? Didn't you guys have to put on a deposit? See, I know for me, man, when I put the deposit down on my home, what that was such a huge deposit that it was guaranteeing I'm all in. And what God is saying is, when he gave you his spirit, he's guaranteeing to you, you have a taste. And someday, it will be absolutely fulfilled. I have the spirit. I tear him. I sense him. He guides me. He convicts me. He empowers me. But this is just a deposit. And someday, I am guaranteed that that deposit is going to turn in to an inheritance. So let me close with this, the last good news. You have an inheritance. Anybody want an inheritance? Wouldn't that be sweet? Colossians 1 says, we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints, God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up in heaven for you and about what you've already heard in the true message of the good news. First Peter puts it this way. 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. How can you have hope today? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. You guys, this world is always gonna be messy. You're always gonna be messy. In your mess, you can have the hope that you're forgiven because of Christ. In your mess and in the mess of this world, you can have the hope that Jesus Christ is with you. He will not take away your troubles. He will not take away your hardship, but he will be with you every step of the way. And then in the midst of all this crap, we have this hope that when it's all done, I have an inheritance and it's waiting for me. When he says, and when James says, or I'm sorry, when Paul says, it is laid up and reserved for you. Do you guys, I didn't even know that. I guess they still do layaways. You guys ever do, people still do layaways? You guys remember, you remember layaways? So when you do a layaway, right, you're saying, I want that. And so lay it away because I'm coming back and getting it. What you're really saying is that's mine. I'm just not fully purchasing it yet. That's what you're saying. I'm, lay it away from me. And what God is saying is as soon as you receive me, I lay you away. You are mine. I am reserving it in heaven for you. And believe me, Jesus said, I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna take you to be with me and you're gonna be in heaven forever. And you can have an absolute guarantee of that promise. You can know that to be true. So then he says, man, I'll, re I'll keep it. It's kept in heaven. It means it's reserved, it's guarded, it's watched over carefully. Man, I do that with my kids all the time, man. They got some money. I'm like, hey, let me keep that for you. Because <laughs> I don't want you to lose it. Jesus is saying to you, you receive me. I'm keeping your inheritance in heaven and it will never perish, never spoil. It'll never fade. Whatever your hope, if you put your hope in anything else, it will let you down. People let you down. Economy lets you down. Politicians let you down. Your health lets you down. Everything lets you down except the hope of heaven. It's kept for you. It's laid up for you. You know, it's so cool. Somebody just shared me a story. Some dude, I guess in Ohio, went to two Walmarts and went to their layaways. Did you guys hear about this? So he went to the, these Walmarts. An anonymous donor visited two Ohio Walmarts recently, spreading holiday cheer by paying off all the store's entire layaways. Steelyard Commons in Cleveland had about 70,000 in layaway goods, and the store in Lorraine had about 36,000, which meant the donor paid a total of more than $106,000. I'm gonna so challenge you. Wow. Jesus paid. his life on the cross to give you eternal life. See, there should be so much more of a wow. You guys catch this? $106,000, yeah, whoo, I'm serious. Now, now to me, wow. My life saved from hell through the gift of Jesus Christ. That's right. That's why. 
So band, come on up. So how does this message actually give you hope today? First Peter says this, though you have not seen him, you guys remember what hope is? Hope is something that you haven't seen because if you've seen it, then you already have, if you can't have, you can't, hope doesn't exist when you already have it. Like, so in other words, there won't be any hope or faith in heaven because <laughs> we're going to be totally, it's all good. We don't need hope and faith anymore. But Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you don't see him now, you believe in him. So do you love him? Do you believe in him? See, he says, if you really love him and if you believe in him, then he goes on to say what? You're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Why? Because, man, you're receiving the salvation of your soul. <laughs> Are you receiving? See, now you notice the verb tense? It doesn't say you're going to get it. It says right now you are receiving the salvation of your soul. Because you don't live in fear or condemnation. You don't live striving anymore, trying to prove that you're righteous. You finally given up and said, I know I'm not righteous. See, he wants to save you from all of your judging, all of your hiding. He wants to save you from all the stress and anxiety and fear. He wants to forgive you, every one of you, of everything you've ever done. And when you receive that, it starts saving your soul. And then Christ gets inside of you and he starts strengthening you. So you can actually say yes to God where you never could before. So now you can have power to live a life that's glorious. Man, I tell you what, when all the fear goes away, when you finally are fully known and fully loved, it's hope and it's inexpressible joy. And if you're not a Christian yet today, I just, I just guess I just wanna ask you that. Are you still, do you have this relationship with God in Christ? Or are you still trying to prove that you're good enough to God? Or are you still hostile in your mind toward him because you don't think he's real or doesn't think he loves you or doesn't think that he's good or that he's trustworthy? If this morning, for some reason, the Holy Spirit may have tugged at your heart and said, hey, if you hear Jesus saying to you today, I want to save you today. Merry Christmas. I want this to be a Merry Christmas. I want you to know me today. I want you, none of you in this room, to live with the weight of your sin anymore. Let me save you. He says this in Romans, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess faith and are saved. And so as we close our service, our prayer team is sitting right over here. I'm gonna be sitting right over here. And if any of you in this room don't wanna go one more day, without the hope of Jesus Christ. I don't care who you are. We'll be right over here. We'd love to meet with you and talk with you and pray with you, okay? And
And for the rest of you who are Christians, how's your inexpressible and glorious joy? My guess is that many of you need to come to this table today. We got communion set up right here, over here, right behind us, back up in these two places. Because Jesus knew this. He knew that you would forget how much he loves you and that he actually has already paid for all of your sin. And you'd slip back into thinking that you gotta be good. And you need to just take a moment while we sing and just confess your sin to God as a believer in Jesus Christ. Confess it all. And then walk up here and remember, you take that bread and you remember all my sin was in his body, it's already been paid for. You dip it into that juice and you go, that's the blood of Christ that washed away all my sin. I am seen without blemish and without accusation. Put your hope in his forgiveness and his righteousness and not yours. Secondly, when you take that and then you put it down and it goes in you, right? It's gonna go in you. You remember that Christ is in you. The body and the blood and the resurrected Jesus Christ is in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And whatever you're fearful of, whatever you're scared of, you remember he's there to empower you to walk through this life. And you remember it's forever. It's forever. All right? We'll be over here to pray with you. Everybody stand up. Let's sing. Let's worship. Let's take communion together.